We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Hi, this is Jerry Boyer. Welcome to Meeting of Minds podcast. Our guest today is my friend Paul Fitzpatrick, who is the president of the 1792 Exchange. Paul, thanks for joining us today. Jerry, it's my honor to be on. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you here, especially given uh, the latest um, uh, deliverable uh, that we've gotten from 1792 Exchange, which was, has been involved for some time um, in not not in a high publicity way, but in a high impact way when it comes to dealing with issues pertaining to ESG and woke capitalism and the ideological capture of American businesses. So 1792 Exchange is what I would like to call a workhorse organization. Um, and the the latest thing that um, uh, you've delivered to us is a survey, an analysis of companies that you call the corporate bias ratings, the spotlight report, which looks at companies in terms of the risk of cancellation along ideological and religious lines if you're someone who's doing business with them. So, uh, Paul, why don't you tell us why this was a priority? This is a lot of work. There's a thousand companies. You've obviously put a lot of resources into this. What made this so important that you put all this effort into it? Jerry, we would like to do lots of other things. But what has happened, is, as you know and your listeners know, is that the left has now captured corporate America. They've weaponized and politicized corporate America. And we could go through the history of that, but really it exploded on the scene in 2020 when we saw in the wake of the campaign and President Trump and COVID and Black Lives Matter and uh, abortion fights that you had small businesses and nonprofits and employees being canceled or denied service. You had divesting. You had big financial institutions agreeing to zero out and not fund fossil fuel, uh, fossil-based industries, uh, carbon-based, excuse me. And and so what we said, and our friends and allies said, wait a minute, we need to develop a tool, a database that will help small businesses and nonprofits, and yes, families, protect themselves in this context. Hmm. This is not a boycott list. This is more like a management entrepreneur risk management list. This is, in other words, even though there's a cause element to this, this is more like how to deal with the world as it is now and how to make business decisions uh, in a way that minimize the risk that you are suddenly going to have your business operations uh, in some ways uh, distorted or disturbed um, because a company one day decides that they don't like you, so they're not going to host your website anymore. Or a law firm says, well, I know we've been your law firm for a long time, but no more because we don't like a position you took on a certain issue. And then your company is suddenly plunged into chaos because they've been disrupted. That's exactly right. This is about continuity of operations, your financial and operational supply chain for your small business, your nonprofit, and, and frankly, families. Uh, 
they rely, whether, whether it be your web hosting, your CRM, your payment processing, you name it. You even mentioned law firms that you've had law firms cancel folks. Um, every area of your, in, in essence, each each vertical or each stack, however you want to use it, um, is reliant upon a few vendors for most organizations. And if you pulled out any one, you might be dead in the water. And so what we wanted to do is to come alongside these friends and allies who are willing to just, who want to just do a good job, pursue their mission if they're a nonprofit, provide goods and services if they're a, a small business, and give them a way to very efficiently find out, are there vendors and suppliers on whom they re rely? Are they politicized? And the point is not that we want, we're not looking to have corporations put on either jersey, an R or a D or a red or a blue. We just want corporations to move back towards neutral. And so this tool will equip these small businesses and nonprofits to very quickly get in the database, pull up the folks they're most reliant upon and see, have they canceled anybody and, and how they are weaponizing or politicizing their brand and the resources? And we could talk a little bit more about that if you'd like. Yeah, I would. Uh, but I want to make a point about incentives here, which I think are very is very important, which is that typically lists of companies that are ideologically captured, woke, ESG, whatever, there's an element of, okay, you're in business uh, or you're an investor and you have a duty to the cause to not hold them in your portfolio or you have a duty to the cause to boycott some company. So even though you might really like Starbucks, drive someplace else or maybe you, you may, you know, maybe you like Walmart or you or whatever, you know, choose Costco or choose Walmart or whatever. Go to the inconvenience, make your life tougher in order to score one for the cause. Whereas this is different. Your this list helps businesses stop their lives from becoming tougher. This is self-interest. Now, it might have a cause effect as well and probably should if you stop using a supplier uh, or you stop doing business with someone because they become politicized, have a conversation with them about it. You know, after you've after you've gravitated over to the new platform or the new service provider, and not go back and say, "Now I want to explain to you why we left." But you're not. This isn't asking people to make a sacrifice for the cause. This is actually helping them keep their businesses running to the point where it's where it's making their lives better. Uh, it's making their lives easier not harder. No, you're absolutely right. It's it's making their lives easier. And and to, to the point, I just want to be clear, you're right. This is not about boycotting. We do want folks who use the database to protect them themselves and their and to make their lives easier. We do want them to speak and say, this is, you know, I'm staying with you, company X, because you're a lower risk company. I want to thank you for that. We want our users to go in and thank companies that are lower risk. Um, but the flip side is they we encourage folks to go in and ha and say, can I talk to the manager or the, the branch manager, or whoever your relationship manager is with that company and say, I, I see and maybe print it out and bring it in with you. Here's your rating from the, the corporate bias ratings and say, I'm concerned you're rated high risk. You did these things. Um, is there any likelihood that you might cancel me? Uh, we're not saying that you should walk out automatically, but ask, engage in a conversation and, mm -hmm. and say, you might even want to say, are you willing to change the terms of, of the agreement or contract with me? To protect me. To, to protect me. Yes. I'm not trying to leave you. I'm not trying to beat you up. I like you as a company. I want to do business with you. So if we change as con consumers, which could be 
small businesses or nonprofits or individuals, we change our behavior that way and, and have reasonable conversations. What we hope to see and we believe will happen is that corporations will say, gosh, we're hearing from people either affirming us or saying they don't like this. And hopefully that will trickle up to senior management and help them and the, the allies that we have inside those companies. And I don't mean partisan allies. I mean allies who want the companies to be companies, not be political. That those allies will be equipped to argue, look, there's a whole group of people who just want us to be a good business. Let's lay down our arms on the political stuff. Mm -hmm. And so that's even more so it, it's to help the corporations move back towards neutral. Interesting. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the neutrality idea, because sometimes you and I have been to the same conferences together often and panels, et cetera. And sometimes there's a, there's a debate about neutrality. Right. Uh, should you know, do are we, we're not neutral. Do we want the companies to be neutral? And what does neutrality mean? Um, and from my standpoint, it's precisely because I'm not I'm not neutral on politics or religion that I want corporations to be neutral on these issues, because mm -hmm. my conservative politics tells me that politics isn't everything. So because mm -hmm. I'm a conservative, I believe the whole zone of state and politics is a small element of human life and should not, yes. you know, kind of. But for the left, everything's political. Right. So um, it's not that it's not that I'm philosophically neutral. It's precisely because I'm not philosophically neutral that I want to keep politics in its cage where it has a function, but not outside of that. Um, because politics isn't a god to me, <laughs> I don't need everything to be politics. Some things can just be web hosting and you know, and printing services mm -hmm. and all of the rest of it. And I, I kind of want to clarify that because I see people within our movement kind of agreeing or, or disagreeing about the idea of neutrality. We're not saying we're philosophically neutral. 1792, your title tells me that you're aligned with the American founding. You've got a point mm -hmm. of view, and it's that point of view that tells you that corporations have a zone and that they should stick to the zone. Does that make sense? It, it makes perfect sense, Jerry. And I, and I agree 100%. We, we believe, and I think you believe, individuals should have the freedom in our country to be left, right, middle, or nothing, to speak out all day long on issues or never speak out publicly on issues, to vote a lot or never vote. Of course, we think people should vote all the time, um, once. And uh, so, the. Uh, uh, but the problem is, when corporations use their massive leverage to control speech and to control capital, control goods and services uh, for ideological or viewpoint or political reasons, what it does is, is it perverts the political process. It undermines the political process. It, it actually squelches speech and it really dampens speech. So you really only have left is the few people who are so agitated and motivated that they're really loud on, on both sides. So you, you lose the spectrum of voices that kind of brings a moderating tone to our public discourse. So instead you're just left with someone on the right, someone on the left, they're, they're both yelling. And everybody else is just saying, you know what? I don't want to get canceled. I don't want to get fired. So I'm just going to be quiet. Um, and that's very unhealthy for our, our system. And so I, I agree with you 100%. And one of the things I think um, that happens here is that um, politicizing capital, politicizing business um, actually decreases the importance of actual politics. Uh, in other words, if we have an election and the people of Georgia 
um, elect people who want voter ID. Maybe it's a good policy. Maybe it's a not po- a bad policy. I don't know. I never read the law. I don't have to have an opinion on everything. Or so they elect, you know, the people of Texas elect a legislature which passes a heartbeat bill. Um, or the people of Indiana elect a legislature that wants a Religious Freedom Restoration Act. And through the democratic mm-hmm. process, and then companies come along, a sales force or whatever, come together and say, well, if you do that, we're going to punish you by divestment. In essence, they're undoing an election um, and imposing a policy that lost the election but didn't lose the internal power struggles of a corporate hierarchy. So it's a kind of um, it's a kind of politics, but it's also kind of an anti-conventional politics because it sets aside the results of our ordained political process. No, yes, that's true, Jerry. And and what it does when you do that, it makes Americans throw up their hands and say, you know what, it's not worth it. I I went through this time, I donated, I knocked doors, I vote or I just voted. Um, And then all of a sudden, because 45 corporations uh, come in and put pressure on this city, this legislature, this government, you know, you know, you name it, NCAA or whoever it may be, the Major League Baseball, all of a sudden everything is undermined. Hmm. And so you're absolutely right. It, it really the future of our country is at stake by and jeopardized by political corporations, politicized corporations. And that's both we're talking about on the political and policy side, but it's also on the economic side, on the energy side. We could talk about that as well. Because uh, I, can, I can assure you, companies in China are not worrying about their ESG scores. They just want to compete with us and beat us. And and frankly, there are countries all, companies all over the world who are doing the same thing. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So how does um, a company get on your high-risk list? Uh, so I, I think you've, there's a 1,000 companies that are in your um, index right now. Is that correct? Well, we're at almost 1,100, and we're adding. Oh, we're, you're you growing. Know, to... All right, 1,100. Oh, we... Yeah, we hope to get to a couple thousand uh, by the year, end of the year. So we're constantly adding. And I will say we we review every company about roughly every quarter. So we're, we're updating. Mm. But how does a company get on there? When we first started, we said, well, let's start with the big companies because often they're touching the most people. But then we we shifted our, our process somewhat to say, who back to our conversation about continuity of operations, your financial and operational supply chain. We started focusing on those um, and like you alluded to in the uh, ADFs, Viewpoint Diversity Index, they did the same thing. I think they focus more on these kind of key corporations that that are, are uh, pinch points with small businesses and nonprofits. So if you pulled one out, it's kind of a, it, it crumbles. We started adding a lot of those and those types of companies, which many of them are small, they're privately held. They're, um, and so it's harder to find information. But so there, there's a, a smattering. And, and uh, I will say now that we've launched. So we just went public with the database. It was, you know, shared among friends, password protected for a while, the beta, but we just went public uh, middle of January. Um, and since we've gone public, we've had a thousand companies be recommended to us. You know, there's a functionality. If you, hmm. whatever your vendor is, you want to find out about if we haven't rated it yet, you can submit the name. So it's going to take us a while. We've got another, now we have another thousand companies to do. But that's really how we're doing it. We're, we're getting to, we're looking into the market. What's the demand? What do people care about? And then who are critical vendors for uh, organizations? I think one of the things that's interesting here is that a lot of this um, activism that's occurred around woke capitalism, or I just like to call it politicized capital, 
um, is focused on what I would call celebrity companies. Like we all know the one, like someone's on Tucker one night did, talking about Disney or someone like that. But often, generally, that might not be the company you're dealing with as a small business owner. They might not be the existential risk to, to your firm. Um, so, uh, you know, be adding a bunch of these companies that are sort of back office and service provider um, makes this a good deal more actionable. It does make it less high publicity. Because when you, you know, mm-hmm. when you talk about the, say, the largest 500, uh, even 100 companies in America, there's always a lot of publicity associated with them. Yes. But they might not be part of your daily life that often, whereas, you know, the, the 1,000, 1,100 companies that you own, you one of those might be the lifeblood for your company that if they cancel you tomorrow, you're out of business. Oh, th- that's exactly right. And, and a lot of businesses, like you said, people have never heard of, but if you're running a small business or a nonprofit, they're essential. And, and so, yes, we're trying to not just go with uh, headlines. Uh, yes, we've done a, little, done a little media now. And, of course, we like getting some press because that helps get people's eyes on the database so they use it. But it's not about uh, getting uh, press for ourselves. Right. And so I would say that you've done very well in the business-to-business space, whereas mm-hmm. a lot of the other research and advocacy around this has been the business-to-consumer con- to space. Um, so an underserved area was the, say, the conservative or Christian entrepreneur or even moderate entrepreneur, um, you know, who does who's dealing with a company that no one's heard of because it's B two B. All right, so you've you've described to us how somebody gets on the list, meaning you're evaluating them in your corporate bias ratings. How do they mm-hmm. get on the high risk list? What is there about 150 out of the 1100 that are high risk? Uh, the high is 150. You're right. right. That's a good, yes, yeah. exactly. So how does, how, how how do does someone on? get on that naughty list? Well, number one, it, it's, it's basically a pass fail from a perspective of if you've, if you've canceled an, a, a vendor, an employee, a customer, um, divested for ideological or political reasons, it, that's, that's basically a pass fail, but we have six criteria. That's, that's the first. The other we look at is their charitable giving. Um, are are they if, in their matching programs and their corporate giving? How they handle it? How they handle religious organizations or not? Um, third is their employment practices. Are they protecting the viewpoint of their employees? Uh, fourth is their how are they using their corporate reputation or brand? Are they politicizing it? How are they using the corporate funds to advance ideologically divisive agendas? Um, and then finally. How is the corporation using their corporate political contributions? You know, we know big public companies, they're going to get involved politically. That's fine when it's related to their uh, industry. But when all of a sudden they're getting involved in political fights that have nothing to do with their company, that tells you something about them. So we do have a a numbering system and then we come up with an overall number. So they come up with high risk, medium risk or lower risk because we don't want to say low risk because we can't guarantee Mm. Um, but that's how we do it. And I, and I will say um, this is not intended to be uh, at molecular level specificity. We're not launching the space shuttle here. We, we want to make give a directional tool to help people make a, decisions. This is a data point among many. We also remind people this is not intended to be you know, investment advice. Uh, but we do believe that our data can inform lots of different decisions. And, uh, and really, we're just trying to make it time efficient for folks. And by the way, we recommend that folks get in and look at each of the six criteria because what one one user 
one area or well, one of the criteria may be more important to them than another hmm. user, another criteria for another user. And, and we do encourage folks to look at the footnotes because it may be that whatever that company did that caused them to have a higher or a medium risk rating may not be as big of an issue or a concern. And, you know, that we're just saying we're taking our, our viewpoint and uh, what we want folks to look at the details. I've been um, using this, uh, we at Boyer Research have been using this kind of like uh, there's, you know, with medications, there's off-label usages, right? So this is designed to, as you say, to um, um, apprise the uh, risk of cancellation in dealing with the company. But a lot of the work that we do is from the investor side, from the shareholder side. So I've been been in conversations with uh, companies um, over proposals, for example, on politicization. You're getting involved in non-core politics. What do you mean we're getting involved in non-core politics? Well, to to, to recount a conversation recently with PepsiCo, let me send you the 1792 exchange um, ratings for you. They, They have you listed as high risk, and here's why. We've never heard of them before. Well, they're new. That's why you haven't heard of them before. Yeah. But now we've got something to work off of. And now you've got, so they, now they could come back and they could say, oh, well, we looked at that report and it's inaccurate. Um, you know, we never did give to such and such cause or we never did endorse that. They haven't done that, by the way. <laughs> you know, with none of the companies that we've sent the report to have said, oh, they haven't disputed the accuracy of it. Um, so this is something that can also be helpful in other ways. Um, or, you know, if you're a customer and you want to talk to the companies that you're doing business with. But what's nice is that there's documentation. Um, and, you know, I, I just happened to be looking at another one. You mentioned the, um, the charitable donations. I'm in negotiations with another company for a proposal where we want them to disclose their charitable contributions and, you know, how they make them. Um, and I'll say the name of the company. It's Merck. And I'm, I just looked the Merck up. And um, you said they'll permit donations to religious organizations as long as the donation is designated towards a program focused on the betterment of community in general. I just looked that up last night. I forgot about looking on the 7092 exchange. Mm-hmm. They won't match the grant to a merely religious organization. It has to have a secular purpose. Well, that yeah. tells us what they think. Okay, Merck, what you're saying is that some, that a church or a synagogue is not worthy of your support, it doesn't, it's not socially beneficial in its religious function. So even if your employees are giving to it, you um, you won't match those grants, but you will match grants to other organizations, including maybe educational organizations that have an atheistic point of view. You're, you're not neutral on this. That's an no. anti, you're saying religion is not socially beneficial. That's a point of view. And by the way, it's a point of view that does not supported by the data. So this is, I'm finding this useful. Just even as we're talking, I'm kind of, as you're talking about it, I'm sort of doing some research on the slide here on my laptop. This is a very useful resource. Well, no, great. We hope that is the case. And we think very smart people like you are going to actually use it in ways we didn't even anticipate. So we hope folks will let us know good usage, uses of it. And I will say, you talked, you mentioned something there. I'll just mention the last 24 hours, I've had conversations with two big public companies um, and they were questioning some of the information in their ratings. Um, and and we want them to do that. We want them to reach out to us and to say, hey, you, you're wrong because we want to be fair. If we're inaccurate, we will correct the record. Um, and those two corporations were talking to them. Now, some of it is 
it has to do with timing and context. Uh, and we're trying to, uh, and we are being fair, but we're using that as an opportunity to have a conversation with them to say, we want to help you. We're not trying to beat you up. We're not a boycott database, as you said, Jerry. Right. We're, we're trying to help you get to the spot where you're not dividing your employees and alienating customers. Um, that is just not a good place to be. And so those are private conversations and we are happy to have that. And we look forward, hope, hopefully more, uh, maybe even some who are eagerly listening to uh, and watching your podcast, Jerry, will know that to, to shoot an email, get on our site and, and ask to have a conversation. Uh, that's one of the things we want to have a fair um, process to adjudicate any any questions. And so we're we're doing that right now. Yeah, and this is a really important point that you just made enough that I want to kind of loop back to it. A lot of our zone is attacking companies, right? And we've got allies and look, listen, some of them have earned it. I get it. You know, some of these companies have just gone beyond the pale. But yeah. if, if you're doing business with a company or if you're invested in the, with the company, there's something good there. Right. If you're already dealing with them, if you're a decent business manager and you've chosen a company to do your web hosting or to do some kind of other supply function, well, you did your due diligence. They've, they're a good company. They've got something going on. Yeah. Or if they're in your portfolio, mm -hmm. you know, I've mentioned some of these companies. Hey, I yeah. just had a conversation with Walmart. I ended on the conversation. You are an incredible operating company. It's amazing. You know, and that's why I have clients who are invested in you. You're not really good as a think tank or an activist organization. So when you wander off, you know, and you say that, you know, yes, we, we have a responsibility to shareholders, but we also have responsibility to stakeholders, and that's the planet and unions mm -hmm. and everybody else under the sun. We have responsibility to penguins and koala bears. Well, yeah, hold on. That's really not mm -hmm. your responsibility. So this should start from a position of affirmation. You're extremely good. That's why we're doing business with you. But your recent actions have caused us to be concerned about whether we're going to have access to your excellent services or have caused us to be concerned that when we invest in you, we're getting good returns or we think we're going to. That's why we're investing. We hope to. You know, we're, we're aiming for that. But then we're seeing our money used against our values. So this, I think largely this is, if this is used the way you want it to, and I think the, the constructive way is to make good companies better, not to make bad companies good or to trip up bad companies and embarrass them. No, no, we, we want great American companies to be even greater and to compete globally uh, and, and just be good neighbors. Uh, and, and I will say also, there are people of goodwill who agree with us inside these companies, but they feel silenced as well. Uh, the, the same kind of the same mob mentality uh, that that causes people to be silenced in the public square is even stronger inside corporations. So we want to come alongside as help to these folks, not not harm them. Um, and so, and as and as you know, roughly three quarters of of uh, all dollars in the stock market are tied one way, shape, or form to retirement. I mean, Americans' retirement security depends on this. And so, so yes, we want to engage with corporations. We hope, we're thankful that you are having those constructive conversations. We hope to have constructive conversations. We're happy to do it privately. We're not, we're not looking to, to toot our horn and, and spout off about it. We'd just like to have it and help them. And it, this is about, I would say, a larger issue of our economic security. And you were saying you're investing in these companies because they're good companies, they have good returns. The metrics are good. Right. 
And that's true today. But if the companies continue down the path of making decisions for non-financial reasons, dividing employees and alienating customers, sooner or later, they're going to underperform. And that's going to really hurt those retirees where we care about and, and everybody who's buying the stock. Right. If you're divesting profitable businesses because they use fossil fuels, you know, that's a, that now becomes an active risk factor. Or yes. if you are engaging in um, uh, employee training, employee diversity training, that might be alienating two thirds of the people in the room, saying to two thirds of the people in the room, you're the problem and there's nothing you can do about it. And you sh you just need to shut up and listen. That that people who have another option <laughs> will take their talent elsewhere, and that will tend to be yeah. talented people. So I I really expect more you know talent um, refugees from some of these woke companies who mm -hmm. you know they don't really feel like they can be themselves. Maybe they're a coder, and you know they don't really feel like they can speak their mind because a certain faction you know is like is controlling the conversation. They have options. They can go someplace else where they're allowed yes. to focus on their on their core competence. No, you're, you're right. And actually, it, it's incumbent upon those of us who who are encouraging people to speak up, to speak their minds, to stand on principle. Um, it's incumbent upon us to equip them, to encourage them to be winsome and calm, uh, not get vitriolic. Uh, but it, we also need to come alongside them and help them. If, if something happens to them, God forbid, they're fired because they, they dared question. And some of these are religions. I mean, if you look within ESG, these are religions to people. And, and some people are getting fired for questioning those religions. We need to help come alongside them to provide them jobs. But ultimately, yeah. like you said, these are going to be courageous people who are free thinkers. Those are the kinds of ones you have. In, valuable you people. Have. I don't want to drive them out. No, they're going to be innovators. They're, they're not the groupthink people. Um, you don't have a lot of inventions from groupthink. So that's where I agree. And, and I think the companies that attract people who, who have a diversity of viewpoints um, and, and can tolerate others with diversity viewpoints, we think those companies are actually going to outperform the others. Well, you know, it's interesting if I'm like switching hats, you know, I'm, I'm also involved with designing indices and, and, and money management, and that includes international equity indices. And one of the things we look at is the talent score of mm. the country. Is this country attracting talented people or repelling talented people? And it's actually an actionable investment point that is, it adds alpha historically. Um, so there, historically, there is a movement of talented people away from authoritarian nations to wow. open nations. Right. Arguably, the outcome of World War Two might have been different. Uh, by the way, I'm not saying woke companies are the Nazis or anything, but I just the, the point in general, the, the, the Soviets lost talented people. Authoritarian regimes tend to lose talented people and they mm -hmm. vote with their feet. And that's not just a national thing. That's a corporate thing too. a stultifying um, ideological conformity is poisonous to a free mind and an innovative thinker. And yes, over time, I think you're going to have an inferior workforce of politically aligned but incompetent uh, people running companies to the degree that they get ideologically captured. Yes, and, and, and some of the really, in some of these spaces, corporations, they're paying high six, mid six, and seven figure salaries to executives who really have kind of make work jobs. And, and frankly, some of them are in the HR space right. that really what they're doing is, is they're driving ideological agendas through training 
and they're and they're paying outside consultants millions of dollars a year. These are these are billion dollar industries um, to to drive and, and in essence bring poison into corporations. And so that that exactly is uh, it as well. And you alluded to it earlier. Some some uh, really racially divisive training. I think you alluded to earlier that some corporations have done. Um, that's going to drive out talent as well. And so we want to help those folks. And again. Um, if you're a, you're a talented person in the HR field, we need that. We need you, but we we need you to be doing things that help equip and train people and and unite, not divide. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. We need yeah. a, we need a, a vibrant um, industry of diversity training people who believe in true diversity, um, not yes. not ideological or racial division. Uh, not uh, uh, these make work jobs that are almost make worse jobs. They you pay them to make your employees angry at one another, to break down the social capital. It's just, it's amazing that it happened. But what, you, you know why it happened? Because we were looking the other way. I mean, we as conservatives yes. basically said, well, they're corporations. They've got a profit incentive. It's okay. The problem is when, I, when, a, when a company gets to a certain scale, the profit incentives kind of get a little distorted. They have what economists call the agency risk, where a CEO mm-hmm. is has enough power accumulated that they don't have to worry about us quite as much, and they start to work on their legacy, you know, or you know, trying yeah. to save the world or whatever. So, um, so we left. We didn't watch. We assumed everything would be okay. Okay, I get it now. We neglected that space. We're neglecting it no longer. And um, this this new report um, from 1792 Exchange is. Maybe the best place that I can think of. I can tell you, it has become my current go-to. It used to be when I would, I won't mention who's not the top go-to anymore, but it used to be if I wanted to know about a company, I would go to certain sources to say, are they ideologically captured? This is now my first go-to. This is the first place I want to go to find out, you know, um, whether they need to be, whether they need an encouragement to go from great to even better. So it's quite an achievement that you folks have, uh, have given us here. Well, no, thank you. I, the, the, I can't take credit. The team has done an amazing job, and and we do hope there are, that other allies and and other organizations and businesses to provide data that that's helpful. We don't want to be the only one. We're thankful that that we're uh, being helpful right now, and thankful we're help, being helpful to you. But we think more influence, influence, excuse me, information equipping folks is going to help a lot, and it is. It's getting back to behavior. It'll change consumer behavior. And I, I say, again, that's individuals, small businesses, nonprofits. But then it's, it, I think that will drive corporate behavior. And, and I think it, we have to do it for our security, for our economy, for our jobs, our, our retirement security. Uh, I mean, look at even just geo, geopolitical issues. The fact that we are committing energy suicide in the U.S., mm is making us less safe and it's making the world more volatile. And uh, and so this is not just about a stock price, even though those are very important things. It's not just about an employee's freedom to to share a viewpoint. Um, it, it, this, is, this is global ramifications. And so yes, the left was very smart to capture corporations and weaponize them. And very often, as, as you know, and your listeners know, it's working in concert with Big government, big business in concert with big government is a very, very potent tool. And so that's a whole maybe another segment we could talk about that. Yes. Uh, two yeah. very When you have the two most powerful institutions in society fused together, you've got trouble. Um, and we have and we have trouble. By the one th- one thing that occurs to me, as you mentioned, con- consumers, one of the largest consumers is 
governments, including state government. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I'm hoping is that this will be a great resource for treasurers, comptrollers, even auditor general, the people, financial officers, like the wonderful folks at State Financial Officers Foundation who are really taking this up, taking up this issue, which is to say, listen, like we just had Allison Ball on the program, and, and based on mm. what the legislature said, to say, well, wait a minute, you know, we're doing business with you as a bank, but you're boycotting or threatening to boycott or pressuring somebody else to boycott one of our most important industries. So why should we be doing business with you if you're trying to harm us? Um, and I, this is something I think we're seeing a lot of red states. And I don't know, maybe we'll see some moderates if there's any left in the blue states, the financial officer level to say, basically, politics is fine. Politics is politics. Keep it out of finance. Um, you know, for, I, for instance, I'm here in Pennsylvania. We're highly dependent on natural gas. Um, so I know that this is of concern to uh, our treasurer. Um, to um, Basically, this is a useful tool for local government officials, especially state government officials, to start to evaluate who they're doing business with. Oh, I think that's absolutely right, because there, there are two things that corporations can undermine. Uh, they could undermine the economy and the, and the businesses within a state. For example, you know, we, we know the we know the examples of pension funds in Texas handing over their dollars to big asset managers that then vote and support resolutions, uh, maybe forcing scope three emissions in support of scope three climate you know emissions measurements for uh, oil and gas companies. Let, let me stop. Uh, that, that got a little technical. Yes. So let me explain yeah. what scope three is. You know, normally the divestment is don't do fossil fuels, right? Uh, don't be a fossil fuel company. But what they keep doing is expanding the idea of being involved with fossil fuels so that you're not just responsible for what you as a company do. But now you have to, do, you have to stop doing business with people above you in the supply chain or downstream from you in the supply chain. So scope three is expanding that so that you're a bad company. Maybe you don't use a lot of fossil fuels, but your customers use a lot of fossil fuels. So their badness kind of comes on to you. And therefore, we're going to vote against your board of directors or we're going to pressure you or we're going to protest. So that when we're talking about scope three, that's what we're talking about, making yeah. you responsible for everybody that you're doing business with, maybe two or three levels removed, which is you know absolutely ridiculous. No one can take responsibility at that level. Exactly. So I was saying you, you you had Texas teachers and first responders and state employees, their dollars, their retirement dollars being the shares being invested and then voted in a way that undermines Texas industry. And so that makes no sense. So it's been what you've seen, as you said, you've seen the treasurers and state financial officers foundation and the attorneys general and now increasingly state legislators. Um, and they're doing that right now as we speak. Many legislatures are engaging and there, so that's the one, that's the economic side that mm. corporations can undermine for a state or a locality. The other is on the value side. These corporations could be supporting or denying rights that are very important to the values. Could be, could be the Second Amendment. It could be uh, corporations promoting, subsidizing the abortion agenda. Uh, maybe the people in that state, they don't want to see that. Maybe they've passed laws to eliminate abortion um, yet here are corporations that are using the dollars from either the state con the contracts with the state itself or the pension funds 
to actually undermine those values. And so those are, that's another way where a, corp, a politicized corporation actually undermines. So you're absolutely right. We need state officials to arm themselves with information and then to use their leverage to push back on these companies. Again, not to make them red companies or Republican companies or companies of faith. We don't have, we're just saying to move, to depoliticize disarm and move back towards neutral and to flesh out that abortion a little bit what what we've been seeing is proposals that essentially are pressuring companies to divest from pro-life states so uh in essence it's study the risk of doing business in states that limit reproductive freedom so you might be part of a you you, you know you might have state dollars you might be a pension manager um, or just a citizen and your pension dollars are being used to vote to pressure a company to take business out of your state, <laughs> you know, saying to a Walmart or a TJ Maxx, whatever, well, you, maybe you don't want to do business with North Carolina uh, because they're considering a pro-life, they're considering um, you know, limiting, re limiting reproductive yeah. freedom. So their, their pension assets are being used to vote, to divest from the state. That's unconscionable. Um, and so yeah. how does it happen? Simple. It's buried in the details. So, I mean, you know, basically, if you look at a, a, a portfolio with typically like a state would have maybe 2,000 positions, 2,000 positions is something like 20,000 proposals. So somewhere mm. in the middle of that is something that says gender equity, but it's not gender equity. It's really abortion. Um, yeah. And I can you can you know, I know that these red state treasures are coming under fire, but it seems to me I don't see how they could do other than what they are doing, which is to protect. The, I mean, they're, they've sworn to protect the interest of of their citizens. How could they not take the actions that they're taking and say that they've upheld their oath of office? Uh, it's absolutely ridiculous to attack them for doing exactly what they're elected to do. All right, I've, I've used more yep. of, the, of yep. your time than you probably have available. Anything else you want to add, Paul Fitzpatrick, before we end this? I'm, um, anything else about um, this new Spotlight report or anything else coming down the pike? Uh, anything you want to tell us about 79, 17, 1792 Exchange? Oh, sure. No, thank you. Thank you, Jerry. We um, this this is this first spotlight report. It's called the Corporate Bias Ratings, and you can get it at 1792exchange.com. Uh, spell out. The, it's it's the number 1792exchange.com. Um, and it's very easy. You can type in the name of a company or you can search by industry. You could search by you say, I only want to see banks that are lower risk. There are different ways of, of filtering. We're used to doing that in, in shopping websites. Um, we I will say there are going to be some other uh tools in in this spotlight report in the series coming out in the future just a little teaser i won't say what they are but uh, we're excited about those and um we're just looking to educate folks and uh, to your point jerry educate elected officials educate american citizens and uh, folks inside corporations but i will say thank you for what you do to educate your folks through this podcast and through your business uh, you do an amazing job and the way you can weave wisdom and facts uh, is just amazing. And so, I'm, uh, and you're winsome. So I, I appreciate and encourage, encouraged by being with you and I uh, hope lots of folks are listening in. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. I, winsome, I don't know, you might've caught me on a good day. <laughs> Sometimes uh, I'm not quite as winsome, but thank you. Those are very, very kind words. Uh, www.1792exchange.com, 1792exchange. Dot com. Just go there now and think about a company you're doing business with or a company you're, you're, um, you're uh, just curious about. Put it in the search engine. 
with 1,100 companies, it's likely to be there and just find out who you're doing business with and whether you still want to be doing business with them or not. Paul Fitzpatrick from 1792 Exchange, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you.